0: Welcome to the Everyday Heroes podcast. I'm your host, Philip Brady, and it is my honor to bring you this next episode. It is my hope, ambition, and purpose to inspire, guide, and equip people like you and I with the tools, stories, strategies, hope, and inspiration to make the difference only we can make. This podcast will highlight examples of mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, friends, and colleagues who have risen above circumstance, braved the odds, and come out of the other end more successful, more grounded, more inspiring, more kind, and more grateful. And that is my hope for you. And now, to the show. So welcome to the Everyday Heroes podcast. I'm Philip Brady, and I'm joined by hopefully a new friend, Nadia Sayers, who is a mental health educator, worker and speaker. Nadia was also and is also a professional model and has been for the last 10 years and was Miss Universe Ireland in 2020. But the reason I wanted to have you, Nadia, on the podcast is really from our first conversation at a kind of business networking event recently I was just amazed at your energy, your passion, but also your willingness to just support and kind of muck in and have conversations that are really important uh, about topics around mental health. So I was so delighted that you said yes. So thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: No, thank you for asking me. It's an absolute pleasure. And whenever we had that meeting, it was so clear that I I don't really like small talk. Do you know what I mean? I can do it, but why do small talk about the unimportant things whenever you can just get straight in there and talk about the actual problems or else the actual solutions? And you seemed like one of those people. So I was just really excited whenever we actually got a conversation going.
0: (laughs) Good. Well, I'm glad that you're here. So maybe just a one-liner on the podcast is we're going to walk through roughly the hero's journey because what I want to try and show people is that there's people that you could be beside in the queue in Tesco or Sainsbury's who are inspiring to other people. And if we can show you that you could be that kind of hero for other people, well, then people might start living up to that and believe it's possible for themselves. So for anybody listening or watching, just tell us a little bit about you. What are you up to in this chapter of your life and what's going on in your life at the moment?
1: So at the minute, I feel like I'm kind of coming out of a little bit of a lost time period. And um, so my, my day job, my primary job is working in mental health, early intervention and crisis support, really. So that's my passion. That's always gonna be my primary job. That's my purpose. But alongside that, I started into pageantry a while back. And, and like you said, 2020, I won Miss Universe Ireland and was very lucky to go to travel to the US in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> and compete in the Miss Universe stage, which was an absolute dream. And I think once that time period had ended, Where that title was then handed over, so many people get to know you as just that, just that title. And you grow so much within that time period as well as a person in so many positive ways. But then once that's gone and once you're out of that time period, you're like, well, what am I doing now? What do I do next? What am I meant to do with this? Because this isn't the be all and end all. You always want it to mean something, but what's my next step now independently outside of? management and outside of agencies and all of that sort of stuff so I'm kind of in that exciting time period now where I'm moving forward and pulling together little projects that are solely mine that pull together all of my passions which is obviously like the likes of mental health but doing it in a creative way I'm still having a toe in the pageant industry because it is a great community to be in and so yeah it's kind of that very early incubation period where I'm trying to feel fast to learn my lessons and then move forward.
0: (laughs) Nice. And I love that. It's a lost period, but also it's exciting because people could get stuck with lost and not give it the description that it's actually the same feeling as exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things someone once told me that whenever you feel terrified, it's not always just fear. There's usually excitement there as well. And that's where all the good things start everything good there's excitement but there's also fear present because yes. it's the unknown
0: yes and nerves and excitement are the f- same feeling in your body it's just a different mm-hmm. label or description so that's why okay. um yeah it's a cool it's a cool uh, mix of the two is what makes it a full experience Yeah. so I really like that so tell me about you and your journey then so what's this adventure that you think you're being called towards so what was it that kind of started that journey for you whether it's the pageantry or it's the kind of mental health space as well what was it that kind of started that journey that you you wanted to kind of work walk towards uh, or move towards in your life
1: so they all both of them kind of connected and I think I didn't see for a long time that they did I wasn't aware of it at the time but in hindsight they connected at different time periods and really fed into each other so Long story shortened a bit. <laughs> I think whenever I grew up as a teenager, I had the luxury, I suppose, of being quite naive around mental health. I didn't directly know anyone, obviously I did, but I didn't know about it because people didn't talk about it. But I didn't directly look at the face of anyone with a mental health disorder or per mental health. I didn't acknowledge that maybe that's something that I was dealing with, when in fact I was, I struggled with an eating disorder through a lot of my teenage years. At the time you think it's normal you think those are normal thought patterns to have and um, then whenever I went to university and that was kind of your first time of independence where you're standing on your own two feet and I moved away from my family to do that I kept I think the excitement kept me moving forward but ultimately you're running on fumes you're not looking after yourself I didn't stop to realize you're not okay and I crashed and um, so First, second year of university, i and going into third year, I really struggled with depression, with anxiety. The eating disorder was kind of kicking in really hard and I didn't see any of it. I was feeling it, but I didn't understand what was happening. And it got to the stage where I was having suicidal thoughts and I was in that crisis space. And um, just before I kind of had hit crisis, when I was still in that kind of going fast, pushing forward, the excitement was feeling you a little bit and I remember I was sitting in my halls and I'd been doing modeling dipping my toe in it here and there and coming from a smaller country town sort of thing It was a bit weird people thought it was a bit strange and I remember someone saying are you not meant to be pretty to do modeling and uh, they obviously didn't consider me good enough to be a model so that was weird for them didn't fit into the mold that they wanted me to fit into so I'd been doing that stood out a little bit for that as a weirdo and when I went to university someone had seen a beauty pageant on Facebook or something and they had turned around to me and kind of in a joking way had said imagine state of you if you go up on a stage in a big sparkly dress you would look ridiculous because I was more rock t-shirts ripped shorts far too much eyeliner and they couldn't picture that so, family trait were very stubborn. And I decided, right, well then I'll help you see it. And I went to my room and I applied to a pageant, never having seen one, having no understanding of what they were, what to do. But I was like, you're saying I can't do this, I'm gonna give it a go. So I went, went off, like it was a disaster. But when I was there, um, I met some of the most amazing girls. So I really learned a lot about, societal issues about the causes they supported. They were just really friendly and supportive. And to this day, there's three, and I most of them are from England that I would still talk to on like a bi-weekly basis. And this was when I was 19, this was nine years ago. We met over a day and we would still be turning up to support each other whenever we're holding events or if we just need to talk or to go for lunch. So that was a really positive experience that I tried out. But I kind of left behind me because I was like I had no idea what was going on there I can't do that so moving forward whenever kind of the mental health started to deteriorate and thankfully my family and friends noticed and my friends let my family know my family took me home and tried to get me help and you know what it's like trying to get help the waiting lists are far too long it's, it can be really ridiculous at times. And I think through that and through feeling so helpless through not being able to dress myself in the morning or brush my own teeth and having my mom have to wash my hair for me because I just couldn't do it. Through all of that and finally getting the help and starting to get better. It was actually, it was actually like voluntary services that started me down that road of getting help. Um, when I was starting to stand on my own two feet and feel better and feel like I was Nadia again, I wanted to actually prevent other people, if I could, from getting that far down that road. So I started volunteering in crisis support um, and volunteered to share my story with young people to show them, look, well, if I walked in here today, you wouldn't have thought that I had depression because there is that stigma that you don't look like you should be depressed. Yeah. So I wanted to show them, yeah, you can't judge a book by its cover. Someone could have depression. Someone could be struggling with any sort of array of mental health issues. And you might not know. But if you are, it doesn't mean that you will be forever. It doesn't mean that you can't get a job. It doesn't mean that you can't do things if you're given the right support. And um, so that kind of started my love for the voluntary sector for mental health work and early intervention. And whilst I was doing it, I was noticing that people are switching off. It's, you do that whenever you see something over and over and over, your brain just glides past it. You don't see it anymore. And it was happening with mental health messages. No one was having these conversations because they weren't entertaining them at all. They were nearly bored of the topic, a topic that we weren't talking enough about anyway. Mm. And uh, so I thought, well, let's do it in a different way. Let's try beauty pageants because people pay attention to you in a beauty pageant they pay attention to you in a pretty dress your makeup your hair all of that stuff because it's glamorous and glitzy but if you can draw their attention with the glam and the glitz and then hold their attention with the important message and the learning then and and prove you actually care about it then that could be really powerful for accessing a whole other population of people um, and getting a bit of a movement going so that kind of then started the pageantry thing and um, even more re- rechecked into that tried a couple times failed again didn't win wasn't going in to win but you know be nice to pay us sometime. <laughs> and uh from there, I just suppose it's just kind of the rest is history. I did more mental health training, I did my masters, I've got into this fantastic job now. Whilst doing that, I applied for Miss Universe Ireland the first year, found out that I, I grew a lot, I learned a lot, I became more confident and didn't win chem top 10, and thought in 2020, well, I might as well. It's the last year I can do it. I don't want to regret not applying. And decided that that time since it was my last year I was just gonna have fun and I was gonna remember the why remember why I'm doing it have a good time and it worked and I won and I was able to talk about like emotional education on a global scale which was phenomenal and so there's so many ways in which they just kind of connected together and they can feed into one another and because pageantry helped me with my confidence with pageantry helped me fight my disorder which sounds ludicrous but it did and my job helped me to stay focused on why I was in pageantry Mm. that makes sense
0: (laughs) yeah totally and like that you were saying it nearly feel like yourself again feel like Nadia again is the way that you said it which is profound because again we can lose sight of that or mm-hmm. people that are are kind of experiencing those kind of episodes, yeah. that they think it's who they are. Where actually it's not who they are. It's just mm-hmm. something that they're experiencing. Exactly. And I think that's, yeah, it's like, there's lots there to unpick. I don't know if I'm clever enough to unpick everything <laughs> you just said there. Like, no, 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 it's nothing to apologize about. Like, there's just so much weight there, but there's so much vulnerability and honesty as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you use a platform to be able to share a message that people need to hear. And if they're not paying attention, again, you said about kind of mental health, but doing it more creatively, mm-hmm. it's to to bring that How can I get in front of eyeballs and people Mm -hmm. thinking about this stuff with a message that's important and thinking creatively about it? If they're not Mm -hmm. paying attention in one channel, what are the other channels that we can use and leverage? And absolutely, they can get attention and focus on these important Mm -hmm. things because people will still experience them, whether they're paying attention to it or not or hearing it too much or not. So it's like this is an important message. We need to double down on this. We don't need to move away from it.
1: No, you, you don't need to move away from what the, what the message is. It's just finding alternative means to appeal to people. Um, it's the same with anything, really, even therapy. You keep using the same method. It isn't, isn't going to work for any everybody. One size does not fit all. So that is why there are so many alternative ways of delivery to try and appeal to different people. It's the same with actually getting the initial message and the hook for the, the societal issue out there. Yeah.
0: And when, when you were so so 1920 first second year in university
1: mm-hmm.
0: in, in that space how how did you so so how, what was what was that like then to kind of keep you going because that's a brave decision while you're not feeling yourself as well to mm-hmm. kind of move towards that and share that message H- how did you navigate like was there ever any doubt or hesitation or like fear or insecurity about like who am I or like any of that kind of stuff as part of that
1: for trying out pageantry the first time
0: well pageantry but also the mix with the mental health stuff because so, they're yeah. super important and and from where you were to where you got to and yeah. are it, it uh, I'm just putting myself in those shoes like I don't know how I could imagine actually doing that
1: I think for one so whenever I kind of started to stand stand up again and feel like I was holding myself together again and I was in counseling so I was getting support regularly every week and all of that there to try and navigate treatment and get further up the journey of you know feeling like I can just be by myself I can stand by myself whilst I was doing that I found one way I've always volunteered I volunteered in a youth club as a youth leader from the age of 13 and and I enjoy it I enjoyed working in the community I enjoyed having those conversations and meeting new people and and socializing in a really informal way. Um, and I think whenever I had actually contacted the, organize, the initial organization that I wanted to volunteer for, I, went, I remember I went in for a meeting and basically, I didn't know this at the time, but whenever someone's volunteering for, to volu- whenever someone's going to volunteer within a mental health charity, especially crisis prevention, um, you're having to See where they're at in their journey because so many of the people are there because they've experienced difficulties. Yeah. And sometimes people jump in head first before dealing with anything. And it's yeah. because it's out of the goodness of their heart, mm-hmm. but it would do more damage than anything at that stage. So I didn't realize this was the meeting to decide whether I was going to be damaging me or it would be helpful for me. And um, I just went in to meet people. And uh, I went in anyway. I'd done like a, a bag pack and fundraised for the charity. and. I remember walking in and I met this this man and he was looking after all the painting for the charity and I spoke to him and I shared my experience and um, I'd only really started talking about it openly not too long before um, because I was really apprehensive of being so open about it because I was worried about being judged I was worried maybe I wouldn't get modeling jobs in case people thought I was too depressed to turn up on set do you know what I mean And uh, I'd seen another girl that lived not very far from me who did modeling. She was a real amazing girl. She had a newspaper article where she talked about her struggle with OCD and depression. And I read it and I was so in awe of her and then realized, well, she's still working. She's still getting jobs. She's still herself. So, but this has helped me. So maybe this might help other people. So I started talking about it, spoke to the the man about it and his name's Desi and he straight off the bat said well look I would love to have you involved if you want to volunteer and I ended up volunteering for them, working very closely with them. I ended up then getting employed by them and even though I didn't work for that charity now, I work somewhere else, that man is still like my mentor. He was a mentor for me and a role model and that other level of support that I didn't know I needed I learned so much from him and so honestly I think a big part of it was his support because that imposter syndrome does kick in kicks in all the time still kicks in yeah should (laughs) oh completely and you're standing there being like who do I think I am talking to these people about mental health but he kept reminding me you're not pretending to know everything you're not an expert you're not giving all the answers You're sharing your experience. You're sharing what you've learned. It's not going to work for everybody. But you see, if they ask you something you don't know, you say, I don't know, but I'll try and find out for you.
0: (laughs) And this was around volunteering for the crisis kind of response.
1: Yep. Yep. Crisis support and suicide prevention charity. So um, I would have done early intervention there. I helped them to design and develop um, suicide prevention programs. And I trained up young people who had had their own experiences on a peer-to-peer basis so we had a youth team that were going out to speak to youth
0: yeah.
1: and uh, then so that's what I did then whenever I was under employment there and then I went in and started studying for my master's degree um, in psychology and psychotherapy.
0: Unbelievable. And, so. and you were saying as well, just before this call as well, or just before we press record about doing the rap program today. So like the training <laughs> will never stop either. You'll no. always be adding tools to the toolbox, which I explains uh... some of the books behind me as well. Like it's the same. <laughs> it's just a desire to want to keep updating that toolbox.
1: Well, you have to. And when I, yeah. I think whenever you like yourself, whenever your passion and your job and what you want to do is to help people and support people in whatever way you can, things are always changing society always changing ways of treatment are always changing and different perspectives are always coming out so if you can have a really wide and broad idea of everything that's kind of going on and continue learning you're seeing that as well maybe I can help someone else with that because again not one size fits all and um, so I think the minute you stop learning you become completely irrelevant you need to continue learning and you're not going to have the same opinion though your whole life you're not going to have the same ideas or perspective your whole life because things keep changing and you have to keep changing and evolving too <laughs> yeah
0: 100 and it's interesting again if we were to go back to the uh, so i'm going to talk in a couple of weeks and yeah. what i'm going to talk about is butterflies i think i was telling you about this and about the evolution of different people but actually you go from caterpillar to butterfly they can only do it once but we do it multiple times mm-hmm. And again, the learning and the growth, but also the struggle that's part of that journey is what makes us stronger, is what forges our identity. Yep. And it makes us a better version of ourselves. and we can grow and we can do better things, things we never thought were possible for ourselves yep. as long as we commit to leaning into the struggle of that yep. journey as well, you know?
1: I call them a cheek on the tile moments.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're having a bad time. <laughs> you're lying <laughs> on your
1: floor, you're just, you don't know what's happening next. Some of the best ideas or the biggest learnings come out of that cheek on the tile moment. (laughs) Whenever you think you can't do anything, you don't know what you're doing next, but you allow yourself to feel it and it's okay to feel it as long as you don't feel it forever.
0: Exactly. And like, I I go to therapy as well because of my coaching work and I want to be responsible when I'm in conversations with people that like, I want to make sure that I'm just as, as sharp an instrument as I can be. And it's just interesting some of the stuff like you're saying about reframing the emotions that you feel that it's not a forever thing you yeah. experience one emotion now and another emotion in a couple of minutes but we get mm-hmm. stuck in them and we kind of play them out a little bit wider than than they need yeah to
1: be. like one thing that really stuck out for me and it was it's actually Karen Treesman was talking about it and um she's phenomenal does a lot of really good work with like children and young people and um It was about anger because obviously like a lot of people struggle with anger in different ways Mm -hmm. so people either struggle because their anger comes out too quickly it's like an outburst or sometimes they struggle because they can't show anger they can't they've been told they can't and a lot of a lot of females actually i've spoken to feel like they can't show anger and uh anger is important anger is an emotion you're meant to have Mm -hmm. it's how it comes out is the important thing so um she refers to anger as that bodyguard emotion. So anger pops out there, your bodyguard stands in front of you. It's the immediate response. But there's something behind it. The main emotion is behind it that you need to pay attention to and you need to address. The anger is just there to let it out, diffuse it in a healthy way, and then reflect on what the actual emotion is. And that's something that we were teaching all the kids now because I think it's a really easy visual to use when you're feeling angry to kind of, question, well, am I actually angry or am I scared or upset or frustrated or just confused?
0: Yeah. Disappointed.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I, I do a 28 day coaching program and it's, it's kind of like a group coaching program. And one of mm-hmm. the modules is on emotional mastery and the message more or less is exactly what you've said. There's no good or bad emotions. Yeah. There are just emotions. They're information from our bodies that are telling us something we just have to listen Mm -hmm. why am i feeling anger and what's the positive intent behind it same with fear and you say about that kind of fear slash excitement fear is to prep you for something that you need to be able to perform at it's a Mm -hmm. positive intent i call it self-love it's to keep you safe keep you comfortable but it's a it's a speed bump not a stop sign so -hmm. again if you have all of these reframes about emotions people's lives open up because they don't judge them good or bad like if i feel anger then i'm bad so they make it part of their identity it's that that's not the case
1: anxiety is the same anxiety one that we get all the time like i feel anxious well good you're meant to feel anxious sometimes yes (laughs) yes there's times when it's an issue and we'll work on that but anxiety is there to keep you safe it's there for a reason (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. And again, they identify with the emotion rather than just seeing it as an emotion that we feel and then it goes away.
1: Like an indicator, like a light in a car, a warning light in a car. Nice.
0: I'm writing all these down so that I can use them again. So just like (laughs) TPM, Nadia. But you were mentioning about Desi and how he still is like a mentor to you. Are there other people then that have been that kind of guide on the side as you're mm-hmm. walking on your adventure for you over the last couple of years.
1: Completely. There, there have been people in and out, obviously, and, and for different reasons. Like I'm very lucky. Desi was the first one I came across. Desi was just a very open understanding. His perspective on life was something I'd never really seen before. It was so non-judgmental and open and practical and realistic. He was the first person that ever said to me, See if you walk into a meeting and you think it's a talk shop, you just walk out because I trust your judgment. And like to this day, that is my rule. If I walk in somewhere to a meeting and it's a talk shop where they're not actually helping people, they're just talking about it consistently, I'm not gonna stay and waste my time. I'm gonna go do the practical work instead. Um, but my where I work at the moment, obviously Hope for Life, and um, we do the Uber Heroes program. And I met the CEO and founder, Dee, And my colleague now, Campbell, years ago, whenever I worked for this first charity and um, was in awe of actually how they worked with young people, how they respected young people. And then, obviously, what they did with the comic books and how they used real stories in the form of comic books to help inspire young people, let them know they're not alone, and problem solve issues that come up and difficulties in life. But from building a relationship with them, I have learned so much. So I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have like now this team of mentors from the professional world, but also the influence and help me in my private life as well. Um, and then obviously friends in and out um, for sure, people that I've studied with at university and, and worked alongside. And although we went different paths, we're still consistently learning off one another. One of my friends, she works within the statutory services directly with children I obviously work in early intervention and we're both consistently learning off one another and kind of trying to understand the other side so we've more full picture of what's available
0: that doesn't seem to be happening wider either where we can learn from that kind of full cycle because we could be really good early but actually if mm-hmm. downstream it's not working or operating or even talking to each other like yeah. that you're lucky to have a friend where she's placed then or where yeah. they're placed but it's it's a it's a system that could do with some uh, thoughtful creativity
1: yeah it's one of those things and i'll be honest with you i don't think it's working at any end right now <laughs> one end there's no support and funding for there's nothing really in our intervention to help make it work for young people and um, and i think that's that's the key issue is It may be there, but what's there is not working for young people. If you listen to them, they will tell you what they need. You just need to actually hear what they're saying. And then at the other end, they're completely overwhelmed. Crisis support, counseling services, completely overwhelmed. And there's people that are qualified to go into it, but there's not enough money to hire them to go into it, especially for the amount of experience and work that they need to build up first. Um, because obviously I was gonna go into that end of things as well and it was just, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah. Some of the hoops I thought, and it didn't suit me either for my private life. So um, I think that's a struggle for a lot of graduates coming out. They've spent so many years getting different degrees and different levels of degrees and experience in all these different fields to come out and work for very, very little, do very long hours and have a massive caseload. So they're burning out.
0: Yeah. And again, supporting others and their mental health. But again, you're burning out to try and actually deliver yeah. and do the service and, and be there for people.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no longevity.
0: Yeah. Have you any thoughts about how to fix it?
1: Loads. It's not on the sheet <laughs> of paper
0: I sent you, but Notes. <laughs> yeah. Where would um, you start? No,
1: I think... Obviously, stuff does come down to money. Do you know what I mean? And I think there needs to be a prioritization on where money is going. Um, Obviously, my job is not politics. My job is not numbers either. So I'll admit limited understanding on that side of things. However, if millions of pounds are being spent on statues and sculptures all over the country, can that not be put into actually hiring more people to work at that crisis side of things? and helping to put in place more effective mentoring streams mm. and placement streams for people coming up so that they can start earlier to learn the ropes whilst they're studying. And as well, investment in early intervention. We keep waiting until people are at crisis and then trying to play catch up and be reactive. Mm. Whereas we can be proactive up here and maybe stop people from getting to that crisis stage, help them with a better quality of life and help them be able to identify earlier when something's not right when they might need to start looking into a bit more self-care or looking into maybe the likes of cbt do you know what i mean whenever you're way on a crisis i personally don't think that's helpful six weeks yeah. is not enough yeah but if you're starting in the early stages of decline yeah fantastic mm-hmm. Um. so it's helping people to get become self-aware and know their emotional triggers understand their emotions better and be able to communicate those can do that earlier we can actually use the step care model that's there as opposed to expecting people to know when they're not well before they're not well and how to communicate it whilst they're not well yeah
0: and again that early intervention so um whenever you're learning sales and stuff like that for business you're told sell painkillers not vitamins so i don't know how often you take vitamins but if you have a headache you're very likely to take a painkiller right So it's the same with this until it's causing a problem or a pain, Well, then we won't do anything about it. But actually it's going to deteriorate into that system. That's not actually reacting quick enough because it's waiting for something to blow up or, or go really badly wrong, which isn't the right way to think about it. It's like a human predicament.
1: It is more expensive. Like short short term, they think they're saving money. It is more expensive to wait till people are at crisis to then have to provide support as well as the lost lives. Do you know what I mean? Than it is to provide the funding to services. And I know I might say biased because I work for a service not funded by the government that does early intervention, but there are a good few out there that are doing fantastic work that already have those relationships within the community. They already have a read on the community and they know the pain points. They know what is working and what doesn't work because they've had years of experience in it. Fund those learn from those experiential learning will feed so much more effectively in that area than simply just qualifications
0: and like you said listening and i just wrote down listen but listen early before it gets to the kind of counseling psychotherapy psychology like uh, psychiatry even yeah um it's a simple skill with two ears and one mouth in that ratio we should be using it it sounds like um, mm-hmm. a little bit earlier that solve a lot of things
1: yeah and I think one thing that and it does it <laughs> so like I'm looking very angry in this podcast no, I'm okay. not an angry you're person right? I'm no, very you're passionate
0: it. it's different it's passionate but, um, it's different.
1: I think one thing that is completely ridiculous is that we don't listen to children or young people because their voice is devalued in society you want an honest answer you ask a child I promise you you will get one Um, but their their world is just as important to them as our world is to us do you know what i mean and if we actually hear what they're saying then we'll be able to give something that's effective to them and will actually work rather than us adults deciding what a 12 year old needs when it's when we've never been a 12 year old in 2022 yeah
0: So, my next question was going to be on some of the challenges that you've experienced on this adventure. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've covered a few already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost systemic, there's just like a desire to want to do more, but probably being limited with some of those kind of challenges that are going on. Would you add anything to that list?
1: I think just with regards to the kind of early intervention side of things.
0: Yeah, are you on this adventure of um, kind of supporting mental health, the the modelling, the pageantry, all that kind of stuff? Like, there's lots of challenges that you've experienced. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about some of them in the kind of mental health space. Were there others in the other areas, or were there others that you'd highlight as well?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I always focused on the the actual mental health difficulty that I was feeling, and I thought that's yeah. the issue. That's the only issue, and that's the whole issue. But in fact judgment of that was massive yeah. how people viewed that and view mental health in general but viewed mental health treatments was a whole other thing mm. um, and still is to be honest it's something that is getting better I think but it is yeah. something that we're having to push really hard to pull away the stigma and the judgment around mental health and mental disorders um and the treatment of those, whether it be talking therapies or medication or an one of an array of types of therapies, um. In all honesty, I was actually I was asked a question before if you could have one wish, what would it be, for the whole world if you could change one thing, and I think it was for people to listen with a more empathetic ear, because if people could listen and come from a place of empathy as opposed to a place of Kind of judgment or I want to be right. Yeah. and um, a lot of the problems wouldn't become big problems. They'd be a lot easier solved, whether that be stigma around mental health issues, whether that be support that's needed, whether that be just seeing what logically makes sense.
0: Yes.
1: In the yes. landscape of mental health, I think it would really help. Yeah. Um, but do you know what for me personally, and this is just me personally, um I think I think everything happens for a reason. And I fully believe that I went through those difficult dark times because the learning that I got from that and the empathy that I developed through that is what put me into this career and put me into this position in this job. Um, And it helped me find what I'm passionate about and what my purpose in life is. And I wouldn't take that away for a second. I would not trade any of those dark days for what i'm able to do now and for the young people i'm able to talk to and maybe understand a little bit more than i would have even if i got this job and hadn't experienced any of that
0: yeah 100 you won't have been it's like diamonds are forged under pressure you won't have been shining as brightly i know it's so cliche to say <laughs> it but say it's that. true right <laughs> but it's a good analogy because it's true it
1: is, it is. Right?
0: you're forged under pressure what is it mm-hmm. um I, I i love this guy a side guru. He has a book called uh, Inner Engineering, A Yogi's Guide to Happiness. No, A Yogi's Guide to Joy. And what he says is humans are designed like airplanes. We are designed to go against headwinds. So winds coming against them are what help us fly. But we we judge them as bad. Mm -hmm. I'm bad because I'm experiencing these headwinds. Like, no, that's Mm -hmm. life. Use it to fly higher, not to keep you on the ground. Again, back to the butterfly analogy, right? I could keep talking about nature all the time, but (laughs) so, so with those challenges and with that kind of sense of judgment, I guess, of how mental health is perceived, but also how you'll be perceived, even experiencing any of those kind of things, what, what's the thing that keeps you going? So what are you holding in your mind? That is like that beacon in the future, or it's something from the past. I use something from the past. I think I shared that with you when we connected, Mm -hmm. but what, what is the thing that you're holding on to mm-hmm. future or past or whatever that's keeping you moving forward?
1: It, it's actually, it's something from the past as well. And it, it sounds, I suppose, trivial. Um, trivial. But after, so after I won Miss Universe Ireland, I remember I was terrified, like absolutely petrified for about a week. My phone did partially break but I was terrified <laughs> to go online as well. So I was using it as a bit of an excuse. Um, but I was terrified to go online because I was like, oh my goodness, who do they think I am? Like, who, who am I meant to be? Who, who do they need me to be right now? Yeah. Because I was so in admiration of the girls that had won before me and they were, they're phenomenal girls, they're absolutely amazing. And the things that they have done for their community and for the country is, oh, insane. But I was like, what am I meant to do? I'm. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what my next step was, and um, I remember I had I'd, I'd been asked in advance by a friend of mine to talk to a group of girls at his church, and just over Zoom, because they were going into secondary school and they were struggling with a few things. And he was like, "Look, I I just want you to talk about your experience. They may ask questions, and I'd agreed to do that before winning, so I was." doing it anyway and um, I went on and I talked to the girls and we talked about body confidence and we talked about social media and we talked about a load of different stuff and then I got a card in the post from them and they sent me a little thank you card and it was so lovely and, and my friend I actually had met him in university in my first year and he had written in the card I'm so proud of everything you've done and it's so nice to see that the girl that I first met in first year is still the girl that's wearing that crown today and i burst out crying because it reminded me of my why it reminded me the whole reason i've done this the whole reason i've done any of this was to shine a spotlight where it needed to be shone, to help to amplify the voices of those people who really need to be heard not my voice their voice that's what's important so that kind of drove me forward during that time period but even now whenever i'm working and Like sometimes it is a struggle and sometimes you get kind of, things hit you a bit harder than you expect, disclosures or just stories that you're covering or you talk to people, because people do reach out just to talk and your heart goes out to them. And the amount of time that people say, that must be very hard work. Well, it is if you focus on the bad. But if they're telling you the bad, they're letting it out of their head. And it means that then they can go and get help and mm. um, when I before I had competed in kind of other pageants and I wanted to start talking about mental health on a, on a public forum I actually wrote a blog post and I'm not a blogger I'm not a writer either but I wrote it all out never thinking I was actually going to make it public it was more just for me to get things straight in my head and anyway over weeks and weeks I was like you know what screw it I'm gonna hit publish <laughs> And I hit it and I closed my laptop and I left my phone at home and I went for a walk because I was so scared of what people were gonna say, whether they think I was crazy or think I was attention seeking or think that I was lying. And uh, I came home and I had a lot of messages, but there was one, and this is this is the one that always keeps me going, do you know? this is the one that it'll, everything will come back to if I'm frustrated with funding if I'm frustrated with like the red tape, if I'm like, oh, you could just go and get a job where you check in and you check out and that's it. (laughs) The one thing that keeps me going is a friend of mine from primary school, her mom sent me a message to say, I just read your blog and I showed it to my youngest daughter. We haven't had a real conversation in a while and I've been really worried about her. So I said to her, Nadia posted this thing, do you want to read it? And she started to cry as she read it. Then she told me everything. Mm. And she, the mum thanked me. And she was saying that that one post or that post helped to bring up the conversation around the tough topics that maybe her daughter didn't know how to approach. So when she read it about someone that she knew. She was able to open up and have that honest conversation with her mom. And people always say, if you can help one person, that's it. That's one person. Yeah. So if all else fails, something I did, being honest and vulnerable started one conversation. So that's done. So there's potential that maybe I can do two. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I'm just going to keep pushing, and maybe I can do two. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love that. And again, it doesn't have to be in the future pulling you forward. It can be something that you hold on to yeah. and have like deep in your bones from the past.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was getting a little bit emotional
0: hearing you say that. So that's why I'm uh, staying quiet as well. and not trying not to interrupt, but yeah, it's powerful. No,
1: it, it does, it pushes me forward. And like I saw that young girl grow up and I think that helped that I knew her and mm. I'd watched her grow up from, she was like really young. And it broke my heart that she was struggling. But at least she talked about it. Yeah.
0: And that's half the thing is in our mind, it's like a jumble. When
1: mm-hmm. you get it
0: out on paper, um, somebody, uh, I'll think of it in a second. Somebody said to me about my coaching that it like clears the runway ahead of them to move on to where they know what they need to do yeah. next versus the kind of jumble that we hold in our minds. And that's mm-hmm. why, again, I went to coaching rather than um just anything else actually because i knew yeah. that if i could ask questions to help people see things differently in a useful way
1: mm-hmm. then i want to do
0: it for lots of people so yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it and uh, to say it. not a writer or not a blogger nadia yeah, i think you are and you have to hold that as part of your identity going forward <laughs> right
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i agree with that but
0: <laughs> not yet you'll get it it'll not it'll yet come with but time. we'll
1: see we'll see
0: exactly <laughs> So tell me, as you you kind of come through this journey, what are some of the lessons that were probably difficult to learn Uh and difficult to kind of uh, add on to your toolbox? But what Mm -hmm. are some of those kind of lessons that stand out?
1: Some that I've learned and some that I'm still, you have to remind yourself of because you're always trying to reaffirm with yourself. And I do think everything happens for a reason. That's what keeps me going. Even if it's something I don't like, I'll see it someday. I'll see what the reason is someday. Mm. Every time you're going to fail, pull something from it. Mm. Because then it's learning. It's not a failure. Sit back, reflect, see what you've learned, hit reset and go again. Because if you really want it, you're going to get it as long as you keep doing that. You keep reflecting on what happens or what you could do differently. Resetting and getting rid of any negative emotion around it, and then pushing forward again, um, and honestly, just be kind. It sounds so simple, and it's something that is so powerful. The whole way through, the whole way through, any of my careers, I've tried to just be nice to people. Be nice. Be kind to them. You don't know what they're going through just try and be nice and I've seen over and over again where it's paid off in ways that I never expected I have my job now because four years ago I held a door open and I was nice to who is now my current employer and she noticed and Miss Universe Ireland they commented on the fact that I was really nice to my makeup artist and hairdresser and stagehands and they told the judges the year before, and I didn't win, but they knew about that, and the director remembered things like that. You put that goodness and that kindness into the world; it's gonna come back tenfold. Yeah. So, no matter what mood you're in, try to just be kind.
0: One of my one of my mentors says, "You cannot outgive the universe."
1: That's a really so good one. That's
0: uh, that's one of the ones that I hold on to. Yeah, you know, but you could do the same with kindness. You can't mm-hmm. outgive kindness.
1: Yeah, and it makes a massive difference. A massive difference. That's why we mm-hmm. we held our kindness awards in um, March, and and it was strictly for kids and young people to celebrate uh, and be nominated for their kindness. And they had a full ceremony and trophies and prizes and had their role models hand them their certificates and hand them their nice. plaques. Nice, because. There's so much value in kindness, and sometimes mm. it's underrated. But if we can kind of reinforce that in the next generations coming up, mm. it's going to be a natural habit that yeah. just happens and stays and doesn't get washed away by stress or I'm too busy or anything else.
0: Yeah, and I I learned something about something like kindness or other stuff like that as well. And they say that you cannot give to others what you don't give to yourself. So whether it's time or kindness or compassion or humanity or space or attention or any of these Mm -hmm. things, until you give it to yourself willingly, without guilt or judgment, well, then you can't actually give it to other people. So actually, Mm -hmm. the best place to start with any of that kind of stuff is actually with yourself. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's an important message to remember. Important thing to remember. We all often (laughs) forget it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, so when you look at that journey over the last it's probably nearly 10 years then that kind of full cycle Mm -hmm. when you return home and again this is following the hero's journey it's so deliberate when you return home how do you show up now differently so who is Nadia now versus Nadia then
1: Nadia now is I like to say this, that I'm that person that I wish that I had. And I'm not perfect at all. <laughs> I'm still learning a lot of things and make a lot of mistakes, but I'm that person that I wish came to visit my school to just open the floor for a conversation or to answer a message online or to say thank you. It's one thing that any ma- anyone messages me online always reply and someone commented on it one time um on a a podcast it was a pageant podcast and they're like yeah you always reply to your messages I was like how do you know that (laughs) (laughs) but then I was like well yeah obviously someone's taking the time to send you a nice message to reply and you say thank you and you hope they're having a good day and he found it very strange does that not take a lot of time I was like sometimes it does but they're being nice and they're giving me time so I think that's something that if someone is taking the time to message you there's a reason behind it whether it's advice whether it's just you stand out to them for some reason then it might mean something for you to send them a message back so yeah Nadia home is more confident than I used to be still working I'll be honest still working on loving myself I think that's Mm -hmm. an everyday battle for a lot of people but I keep trying and I'm just trying to put some goodness into the world and help where I can. Nice.
0: What do you think makes people heroes?
1: Accepting that they have vulnerabilities and using the lessons often from those vulnerabilities to try and show other people that there's strength in them. There's strength in every vulnerability. If we're able to kind of utilize it and harness it and not be fearful of it. Yeah. Anything else? Just being themselves. Every single person is a superhero. Everyone has the potential to be a superhero and to make a difference. As long as you be yourself, don't try and be like whatever or girl you see on Instagram
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is all just fake yeah most of it a lot of it
1: no a lot of it is and Mm. you you kind of I think if you're on there you have to know why like I use Instagram I love Instagram Mm. but I control what I'm consuming intellectually I can control the content that I'm taking in yeah and I try and be realistic if I'm putting out a really glamorous photo of myself sometimes I, I like that and I think it's a cool photo. Yep. But I'm not going to pretend that that's me all the time. I'm also not going to avoid posting something just because I'm in work and I don't have fake eyelashes on and I don't have a glitzy top on because nobody lives like that all the time.
0: <laughs> and is there any questions that you think I should have asked you?
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: that's a secret one for the end
1: (laughs) yeah um I think just a lot of it's been I like to acknowledge what you're still working on so like nobody's a finished product nobody has got it all right and nobody is just 100% there there's always something that you're trying to work on yourself as a human and mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that that no matter how it could be I don't know I don't know why Chris Hemsworth came into my head but it could be Chris Hemsworth it could be your schoolteacher
0: yeah, yeah we all want to work towards being as cool and handsome <laughs> yeah, and well built but... <laughs> and tanky as he is
1: but it could be someone of that stature or that level it could okay. be your school teacher. it could be your parents it could be your five-year-old yeah Everyone is working on something still because that's just how life is. And that will always change and evolve. And once you achieve something else, you'll find something else to work on or something else that you're trying to achieve for yourself or, I don't know, help yourself to learn. Mm. So I think that's important to acknowledge the fact that you're, I always think you're like a work in progress. You're always looking after your mind um, because things will unfortunately keep popping up. But as long as you're aware of that, acknowledge it, and you're willing to put a bit of work in and be honest about it, then you'll, you're well on the way to kind of helping yourself.
0: I, I learned recently that even in nature, as much as I love nature, perfection does not exist in nature.
1: Mm-hmm. So the
0: fact that we try to think, oh, when I'm perfect or when this and all that kind of stuff, it's absolutely in the universe unattainable. Mm-hmm so Never gonna happen. it's this exactly so we're all work in progress but that's yeah. the point of being a human that's why it's so much fun and at times really frustrating yeah but it's that balance of the two that makes it worth living too
1: perfect would be really stagnant and boring <laughs>
0: exactly exactly is there any questions you have for me
1: what's your work in progress maybe that's a big question you don't need to go too detailed but
0: (laughs) my oh it's a good question my work in progress so let's do it a little bit riffy right off the cuff I think my work in progress is being bold and ambitious and not seeing that (laughs) as a bad thing okay because I've worn I'm not ambitious for anything of this world as like a, I'm, I'm beyond uh, material goods and stuff like that, but I love cars, right.
1: You're honest about it? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so my my work in progress is actually playing bigger and having more of an impact. while not losing sight that actually I just still want to be able to walk in the forest and be comfortable with that too. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to dance between. And there's days when I retreat mm-hmm. and there's days when I play bigger. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just learning the moves between the two. I don't know them yet. Yeah. I can help other people. I can see it for other people, mm-hmm. but I'm learning it for myself.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think I want to be the type of person that can afford, for example, brand new supercar.
1: hmm.
0: And if somebody said to me, can I have it? I'd be able to give it away to them. So I want to be able to achieve that
1: mm-hmm. and be
0: the type of person that could give it away.
1: Yeah, achieve that's my that material goal. Material goals are fine too. Yeah. Um, achieve that, but keep your views, personality, morals, compass where it's at. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good one.
0: I think the work in progress. And just that's to kind of one. impact and... Like you say, put a bit more goodness into the world. I don't know yet what that is for me, but I'm trying to work mm-hmm. towards it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good one. Because the balance balance is always hard. And looking at it for other people, you're like, oh, it's clear where you how you can do that.
0: Yeah, please stop doing that. <laughs> Literally, but it gets
1: so messy in your own head trying to get that balance. Yeah. And you're going to slip up doing both ways. You're going to overcorrect it and undercorrect it until you find the perfect mix. Um. Yeah. And it's was it just being around people that understand that.
0: Exactly. And allow so I, space for that. Exactly. So I wrote down earlier on, I, I do a live every Monday in, a, in two mm-hmm. Facebook groups. And one of the things that I talked about was what worldviews do you surround yourself with? But mm-hmm. also what worldview do you surround yourself with too? Okay. So what we think is possible, we hold on to for ourselves, but also we, the people that we interact with can also Uh, hold that worldview of what we think is possible as well so the limitations rather than possibilities okay Um, so that was that's what I'm trying to pay attention to as well what am I believing to be true but also Mm -hmm. who am I surrounding myself uh, with that also kind of can limit what you think is true
1: yes who your your influence is around you because it's inevitably going to rub off (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) making sure that you're staying autonomous in the middle of that (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly. Nadia Sayers, thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. This was wonderful.